we're like, okay, let's let's jump into the crypto space because this is a big niche because we started using cryptocurrency and we quickly realized how difficult it was. You know, you make Ethereum and you try to spend it and you try to invest in a few tokens and then try to use it in general and realize very quickly that it's not intuitive. You hand someone a, a, a Visa debit card and tell them how PayWave works, they know how it works. They don't need to spend a month learning how to use their Visa debit card. That's how easy crypto needs to be before it could be widespread, where there can be widespread adoption. Howdy folks, welcome to the Blockchain New Zealand podcast. I'm Jeff Nicey, and today I'm talking to Jit Maharaj. JIT is the co-founder of Pay It Now, a payments network that uses a custom layer 2 built on the Binance Smart Chain that makes it easy for merchants and businesses to accept cryptocurrency payments. JIT is also an airline pilot, a longtime web developer, a miner, and a Solana critic. He also drops this absolute gem that I had to include in the intro. Just to let people know, one of the regrets in my life was selling one Bitcoin for 400 USD. Right? Stay tuned. Jit tells us all about it. Jit, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me. Hey, let's start with uh, the company that you co-founded, Pay It Now. Why don't you tell us why we need another payments provider and what Pay It Now is doing differently in the industry? Well, Pay It Now um, is a new blockchain-based payment gateway. We're trying to fix a few of the problems that currently exist in using cryptocurrency for average users. Someone who does, has no idea what cryptocurrency is, and we, we want to teach them on how to use it and make it as simple as possible. So, for example, we'll get more into it uh, in a little bit, but if you wanted to go out and spend $10 worth of Bitcoin on, let's say, a coffee or, you know, uh, a sandwich or something yeah you, these you, days it, you get one coffee hard. right <laughs> yeah exactly it's incredibly difficult and that's not even getting into using ethereum and i know there's a few other good coins out there that do it better like matic for example but you know their market cap isn't huge and people have not heard of it so i, I had a nurse who i spoke to yesterday who, who asked me when she was at our office and she's like so what do you guys do? And we're like, we're a payment gateway. We're a cryptocurrency payment gateway. She's like, oh, what's cryptocurrency? And I'm like, um, it's this digital token that you can use for payments. And you know, you, how how long do you have? <laughs> right. Oh, is it is that like Bitcoin? So Bitcoin is synonymous with cryptocurrency at this point, right? People think they're they're the same thing, where and it's really hard to use it. So that's what we want to do. We want to make it easy for people to spend cryptocurrency. Okay, so you want to make it easy for people to spend crypto. I mean, that sounds like a good virtuous goal, expand crypto adoption, uh, try to remove mm -hmm. some of the friction. There's definitely heaps mm -hmm. of it all up and down the stack mm -hmm. right now. So how is, mm -hmm. uh, how is Pay It Now doing this? How are you, how are you going to make it easier? Okay, I, I'm, I'll go over the very first concept that we're trying to fix, the, uh, the idea of gas. So with Bitcoin, it's easy. If you're spending, let's say, $100 of Bitcoin and you can choose how much gas fees you want to pay, it's taken directly from Bitcoin. So if you, instead of paying $100, you'd pay, probably pay $102, $105, how many um, Satoshis you want for gas fees. That's easy. If you're sending Ethereum, same thing. But it really gets murky if you're trying to use tokens. 
which a lot of new investors and new uh, majority of people would heard would have heard of tokens. So if you're using a token, you need the underlying coin of the network as gas fees. So if I have a friend who I've just sent, let's say, $1,000 worth of Shiba Inu, and he wants to go and spend it somewhere, A, the merchant has to accept that token, which they can probably if they're accepting um, Ethereum or Binance, whatever, their address will accept this token. But they need the underlying um, currency, the coin, as gas fees. So first thing we did was we came up with a layer two scaling solution. Basically, our network exists on top of the Binance Smart Chain. You bridge on your tokens onto our network, and then you can use it without paying gas fees. So now you, we've eliminated a, a problem that people would have where you don't have to explain to them what gas is and how gas is used and what tokens you need for gas. So now if you have someone who has $1,000 worth of Shiba Inu, they can go and use it at a merchant, and the merchant doesn't have to specifically accept that token because um, PIN also does a point of conversion at the mer merchant. So the merchant basically accepts everything, at, at everything that's on our network anyway. Okay, so, so for, that's how we're doing it. For this gas problem, what, what you're describing there is, I think this has come up a lot with NFTs lately. Uh, for example, somebody sees some art that they like and they want to go jump in on an NFT mint and they get ready with, you know, their $100 ready to get this NFT mint. But then on top of that, depending on the network, if it's Ethereum, you also need ETH or Ether in your wallet in order to pay the gas to do the mint. Or if it's on Solana, you also need some soul in your wallet to, to pay the gas. And so this is what you're referring to by the underlying token that uh, is kind of what would you say? Is that like a hidden tax? I guess it's not hidden, Correct. is it? It's not hidden for people who know what cryptocurrency is, but average Joe doesn't know that, do they? If, if someone isn't in the crypto space, they don't understand that if I have $1,000 worth of tokens that I want to go spend, I need to have another thousand, uh, sorry, another few dollars of something else. You know, you don't have that in the fiat world. If you have American dollars that you want to go spend, you don't need um, another few X dollars or something that need to move those currencies. So that's, it doesn't translate well to people who aren't in the crypto space. And that's sort of what we're trying to achieve is uh, for people who aren't in the crypto space, how do we make it easier for them? You've chosen to build on top of Binance Smart Chain. Uh, tell, tell us about that. And uh, I want to I dig down on these fees a little bit more. Like there must be fees mm -hmm. somewhere. And, and so what happens to them? Why we built on the BSC is because Ethereum was expensive to get started working with, and there were a lot of other projects coming on Ethereum in terms of uh, layer two solutions. BSC didn't have one because BSC fees are low enough if you consider yourself in the crypto space. For, for token transactions on BSC, it's like 50 cents, 40 cents. It's still unacceptable in terms of using it for everyday use, but it's a lot lower than what it is on Ethereum. When we started last year, Matic wasn't as big as they are now. And if we were starting today, we'd probably have gone with Matic. In fact, we're looking at uh, expanding onto the Matic network shortly as well. Uh, it is on our pipeline um, to expand onto the Matic network. We, I don't know how your listeners um, feel about Solana, but in my mind, Solana is one of those things I just don't like. It has very low fees, which I love. But any, um, I don't know if you've heard of the Solent conspiracy, uh, the issues that have just gone on where they, uh, all the validators got together and basically stole from a guy. 
That's right. Uh, that happened recently. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a lot of things about Solana that just don't sit well with me. So I, I, I used to love Solana because it, it was exactly what it, uh, it was exactly what we needed, right? Super fast transactions, proof of history, blockchain. It, it's very good, but they want to say that they're decentralized, but in my opinion, they're not. They're, they're heavily centralized. If, if such an event can occur, the network has been down, what, four times in the last year? complete hoarded and you know they claim to have 60,000 TPS but they haven't been able to achieve that yet but anyway I digress <laughs> so did you consider Solana we did okay. we looked uh, when we when we were launching we looked at ethereum we looked at binance and we looked at Solana um, we cho ultimately chose binance because out of all the options available that was the best we could start working with to minimize the gas fees because uh, we, we needed low gas fees to start with and ethereum even when it goes to POS, a lot of people think it will happen, but gas fees will not go down on the Ethereum network at all, even after post-merge. Post it will not happen. That's why we chose BSC. I think a lot of people are hopeful about that. But but yeah, yeah. The, uh, the the merge isn't designed to solve gas fees. You know, the merge is another problem uh, entirely. Correct. Does Binance have this as well? Like uh, Binance is a fork of Ethereum. Is that correct? Binance, Matic, they're all forks of Ethereum. Yes. Matic, as you may know, is a, P, a proof of stake network. So it is a proof. Uh, it is a fork of Ethereum, but rather than using proof of work, it uses proof of stake. What Ethereum is moving towards. And you mentioned Matic a few times. You're trying to do this in parallel. Binance was available first, so you went yep. that way, and now you're also trying to use the Matic network. Correct, because um, as you can tell, our our whole architecture it needs low gas fees, and Binance was the lowest available to fit our needs at the time. And now Matic has caught up and is big enough that we can actually go on it and use it. Okay, give me a give me a quick definition of what a layer two is and how that's working on Binance. So a layer two basically it it's it's almost like a, a parallel side chain as you would call it. We're not a we're not a blockchain. All we do is we pick up from the Binance chain when we need to. So someone has tokens on the Binance smart chain, they can come onto our network from the Binance smart chain by bridging onto our network do transactions on our network which don't have gas fees and then move back to the Binance smart chain when they want. That's basically the gist of it. We, we're taken, we're, we're secured by the underlying Binance smart chain in terms of where your tokens start and end from, but then you can, all the transactions happen on our network. That's why you don't have to pay gas fees on them. Okay, and did you build this layer two yourself? Unfortunately, yes. That's why it took, it, <laughs> that's why it took so long. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, and, and it's still being worked on. It's still being worked on, but as of now, it's operational? Yes, and we have um, a few hundred users already. It's been a slow update um, just because we needed the app out there. We need merchants out there, and you know we've had some good feedback on it, and people are using it. Um, some merchants in Christchurch are using it. We're launching in uh, – well, not launching. We have launched in Auckland as well if – you want to go and check out Ruben's Butcher in Newland? He's accepting crypto right now. From You know, you know I, I've read about it and I plan on going to visit. I haven't yeah. managed to, to go visit them yet, but that's actually right yeah. near where I am here in Auckland. So I, I do plan right, on... There you go. It's it's a slow... It's, we're crawling at this point just because the bear market hit and right. stuff to, like to that. Be clear, we're, we're getting there. You mean your adoption is going slowly as opposed to yes. the chain? Oh, yeah. Oh, adoption is going slow. The chain is... Fast. Oh, that's the other thing. The reason we needed this layer two is because BSC is fast, but it's not fast enough. I mean, transactions on the Binance Smart Chain can take anywhere from five to 20 seconds. But if you're standing there paying for your coffee 
you want it to be done like that, right? So you want to be able to go boop, and the payment is complete. Our, our layer, because uh, we have uh, our layer two solution on the BSC, transactions are completed in 400 milliseconds if you're doing just pen to pen. And if you're doing a multi-currency, multi, where it needs to have multiple transfers in the middle, then it takes about a second and a half. But that's negligible in terms of a point of sale. Okay. This has always been a contentious issue with the Bitcoin community, right? Because you tell people all the great things about a decentralized currency, and then they say, what can I do with it? And, you know, it goes all the way back to uh, Andreas Antonopoulos in his book, Mastering Bitcoin, right? He he details this example of how to use Bitcoin, and he has Alice and Bob using it to buy coffee, right? And like in the history of Bitcoin, no one's mm-hmm. rarely been able to buy coffee. Um, you know, if you're standing there at a merchant and you're trying to purchase something, what we're doing, I guess, is we're internalizing the speed and ease of using something like PayWave. And so mm-hmm. would you say that a system like this is comparable to that? Forgetting about all the technical details? No, that's exactly right. This is what we want to do. We want to make a system where you can take cryptocurrency and use it like you would use PayWave. And that, I mean, we, we don't use NFC technology in our payments, but we use QR scanning. Just like, because people are used to scanning QR codes, we wanted to have a system where no, uh, you, the merchant didn't have another terminal to put on his counter. So that's why we use QR codes because most screens, most merchants have a screen that can display a QR code. You scan it with your phone, you're done. Payment's complete. Okay, so t- take me through the, if I'm a merchant, how am I going to get onboarded or set up to start accepting my favorite crypto? Alrighty, so um, this is a perfect example and it'll tell you some of the finer parts that are probably left out. Uh, you, you join up as a merchant, you go into our website, sign up. We do some KYC on you, get some information about your company that we have to do for legal reasons uh, because we're a financial services provider registered in New Zealand. Uh, and then once we've got that, we'll get back to you with a business ID and you'll get the app from the app store, which you can't make a business account unless you have this business ID. Soon as you put that in, you're basically ready to start accepting crypto. Easy as that. Now, there is one caveat. We, our business team will work with you and determine what your payout currency is. It could either be New Zealand dollar, in which case New Zealand dollars gets deposited in your bank account, or it could be any cryptocurrency of your choice in which case you accept anything basically on the PIN network. So someone could walk in, if they have got Ethereum, they've got BNB, they've got BTC, it doesn't matter. If you're accepting BTC, everything gets converted to BTC for you. Or if you expect uh, accepting New Zealand dollars, everything gets exchanged for New Zealand dollars for you. Because we are onboarding merchants who may or may not want the volatility of crypto. Some may want to accept crypto and play the market. Uh, but majority of the merchants we've spoken to say they would like to accept cryptocurrency, but then they would like to be paid out in fiat just so that they have bills to pay and they don't wanna you know, play the volatility of the market, so to speak. Right, so if you're paying out in, let's say New Zealand dollars, that's probably what people are going to choose at first, I guess, especially mm-hmm. if you're a business, right? Uh, so I go into uh, our, our butcher man there in New Lynn yep. and uh, I, get, I get some steaks and so yep. I send him BTC and then mm-hmm. the BTC is processed by the pay it now layer two. Mm-hmm. And then in his wallet, he, not his wallet, sorry. And then in his bank account, he's going to get a, a New Zealand dollar transfer. Correct. Uh, but it's not the New Zealand dollar transfer is an instant. You were right the first time. As soon as you've paid in BTC, which is instant, by the way, 
um, he gets New Zealand dollars into his wallet and then he he gets cashed out every so often, depending on our deals with the merchant themselves. Right. Okay. So you still have to obviously play by the banking rules, which, you know, resolve around business Correct. days and holds and Correct. checks and, and, and balances. So I, I, I have a technical question now. Am I just like, mm -hmm. am I just using my mobile to do this or do I need some other infrastructure? Um, you need our PIN app. It's available on the Apple and iOS, sorry, the iOS and Android Play Store. So once you've downloaded the app, obviously you need to, well, I say obviously, but you need to bridge over whatever tokens you want to use into our app. So right now we support Bitcoin, Ethereum, BNB, and our native PIN token. So I know it's a small list, but we're expanding slowly rather than, because we want to do it securely. So once you, this is the point where this is the only part of time where you're paying gas fees because you're moving tokens from your native chain to our chain. And then once you've done that, all transactions are gasless. Okay. So by bridging, you mean I'm going to use whatever wallet I have and I'm going to send some mm -hmm. BTC uh, and, and that goes in, do I have then an account with pay it now or does that go in? Where does that go? Yes, it goes. So as soon as you create an account with us, um, you've based it, it, think of it as a spot wallet almost. You've now created a spot spot wallet uh, using the pin app. So basically, it's a software wallet that holds all your crypto. Importantly, though, and I I would be remiss if I didn't mention it, you don't hold the keys to that wallet. So it's the same as if you would move it onto, for example, Binance or Crypto.com. Not saying we're as big as those companies yet, but it's about the same thing. You can at any point you choose automatically bridge out. It's not something we hold or control. Hopefully, people that are using tokens on their own phone do hold those keys uh, to those assets. Mm -hmm. But then once you bridge them, then you're relying on a centralized account-based system? Correct. I mean, yes, that, correct. So. Yeah, and, and like that's not as bad as it sounds because actually that's what's happening if you're doing any other bridging. Say you want to bridge you know, from ethereum network to solana to, there there's a window there where you do not have you don't, access exactly. to those tokens that you bridged over and at the other end right that's been a big security hole lately there have been quite a few bridge hacks harmony just the other day right the the other important thing is um and i i only mention it to the crypto community because i believe in openness the biggest concern is average joe doesn't care about holding keys they care about what they see in their phone. For example, if you've got money in the bank, you don't hold the keys to that money in the bank, do you? You open your ANZ app and you see some money in there. You you are relying on the fact that when you try to withdraw it, you'll get that money back. It's the same philosophy with us. You know, we're, we're trying to make it so that it's easier for end users, not crypto enthusiasts. There are plans in place to have another system where you can actually access the underlying private keys if you so choose. But again, that's a little further down the track because for the first iteration, we've just tried to keep things simple. Um, we've got rewards things in place that make it so that average Joe can earn free tokens for doing nothing. So for example, if you go to Ruben's Butcher and you purchase meat, $100 worth, you get a dollar's worth of free crypto but doing nothing. Think of it like air points, but instead of getting air points or AA points or what, what have you, you're getting free cryptocurrency that now throws you into the world okay let, let me see how this works let me read up how it works so basically it's trying to get to those people who've never used it to use it it's think about it like the flybys but instead of flyby points you're getting cryptocurrency that's another <laughs> aspect of our ecosystem that okay yeah it, it, there's a lot
Um, I was definitely going to ask you about that. So my question is is short, and it's one that a lot of crypto people ask when they investigate a new project, and it's just, you know, why token? Why the token? Yeah, why the token? Okay, you're going to love the answer. Um, we needed to get started with something. And so we had a uh, token launch so that we could have a community go up and so that we could use funds to get the company started. Simple as that. The underlying token is going to be used for rewards. That's that's utility for the token. But it was just to get a company started so that we could do something. Right. So you're talking about good old-fashioned bootstrapping here. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that, that's basically it. You did mention in your white paper that you had a private token sale. Is that what was happening here? Correct. Raise funds yes, to correct. get started. The, the token, the PIN token, was originally designed to be just a rewards token. It was just going to be, uh, uh, it's no secret, when we started back in November, this was going to be another token where you could earn it, use it, and, um, you know, just, just basically be another one of those meme tokens out there. But then when we started getting all these retailers on board, it started to sort of morph into something, okay, this has some real utility behind it. Let's do this this way. You know, we, we started getting some websites coming on board. We started getting retailers who want to use this in their store. And then the payment gateway idea came up and suddenly this had morphed from just a rewards token to a payment gateway solution. So it's been basically moving in a whole new direction since when we launched the token back in November or even late October last year. Okay. Do you have any examples off the top of your head of similar tokens that have essentially worked out? I'm just thinking that like, uh, you know, most tokens crash to zero and uh, a side effect, which is not what you're intending, is that people also speculate on tokens. We were going to be, we, when we, we first launched, we were going to be similar to SafeMoon and how SafeMoon was on Reddit. I don't know how if you've used SafeMoon on Reddit before. Uh, actually, I heard, I heard one of my students in class talking about SafeMoon yeah. and th this, this is what I overheard him saying. He's like, there's no way. I would be able to buy all these sneakers if I hadn't have invested in SafeMoon. And he used that word as well, invested. And uh, I didn't talk to him about it, but that's that's what he said. Okay. I'll, I'll give you the gist of where we got the idea of using PIN token uh, when, with SafeMoon. SafeMoon launched and on Reddit, you could gift people SafeMoon tokens. These were essentially worth like one, uh, one, one millionth of a cent at the time. Right. right, but you could give someone a thousand safe moon, and you know, just for making a comment. So, hang on, what if we had that in stores where people could use that? That's where the idea came from. We'd, we'd use this as a rewards token, so stores would pay us to prop up the token, and then this token could be given out to users who would then spend it. So, the idea was a ecosystem where this token was being used everywhere. Unfortunately, as many people do. A lot of this was bought up as store of value rather than a transactional token right at the pre-sale. And people still hold on to them where we're trying to get people to use it. So, yes, the uh, example, it's a bad example because uh, I don't know if you guys have found out about the, the controversy SafeMoon has gone through. But that was a failure of the team running, not the token. The token philosophy was pretty good. A rewards token that is used by stores given out to everyone and that entices more people to use cryptocurrency because there's no jeopardy. If you haven't spent money and you've got something that you can use, you don't, you can't lose money on crypto if you haven't invested anything. You've just earned this by spending where you'd normally spend. If you go to a favorite coffee shop and you go there every day and they give you a dollar every week in 10 weeks or 12 weeks, you've got $10 and you can get a free coffee from them. You know, the idea is, 
you get this uh, get this crypto for free so there's no jeopardy there's no hesitation about using it or keeping it that's right that's why yeah. you came up with it yeah well i mean in the in like the whole retail space right uh rewards points and tokens and membership uh benefits you know these are all ways to sort of engage and try to keep a community and it it seems now like everyone has to have a rewards system and mm -hmm. they're probably even pricing in rewards into their main product i'm thinking of like uh starbucks you know if you can save Correct. five or eight percent every time you use the app well mm -hmm. then why not uh build the prices five or eight percent higher um and it's, it's an advantage right for all those people who are not using the reward system you're making that extra percentage off and i'm sure that's how the fuel companies work here you know they build in this aa rewards point and anyone who isn't using them is basically getting shafted every time right oh that's such an excellent example right you you have to be locked into one of these fuel systems whether it's mm -hmm. uh, the Z app or whether it's the AA mm -hmm. app, oh, it, dri yep. it drives me nuts. I know, I know, and that's the point. Any they they don't have to worry because anyone who doesn't use it is just getting reamed every single time, right? So basically, uh, we we digress. It comes <laughs> back to why we launched the token right. in the first place. That was the idea, and it's been morphing. Like the payments gateway, we noticed that there was like be honest, there's a lot of payment gateways out there. We got Soul Pay that launched in a few weeks ago. Um, you got, you can do coin payments, all of these on-chain solutions, but none of them are really easy to use. All of them are either on-chain solutions, they offer multiple chains, but then average Joe cannot go and spend this. And I'm not saying we're there yet. We're in our pre-infancy state. So in terms of competition, you do have some serious international competition, right? Crypto is a inherently global scene. And so things like payments, you know, there's no reason why if your technology works well and you folks can grow, there's no reason why you can't easily go international. Uh, so I'll just, mm -hmm. I'll just toss out some names here. Uh, yep. If I wanted to have customers come in and, ex and accept their crypto, I could use BitPay, uh, I could use Stripe. Yep. Um, I could even mm -hmm. now use Shopify. I think just last mm -hmm. month they announced that they have an integration mm -hmm. system. Uh, so, either how can you compete, or are these your competitors? How do you how do you view this? I'm so glad you brought that up. Very glad. So Stripe are getting into the crypto space, um, and we're we're actually going to be partnering with Stripe, not to sell or accept crypto, but to provide an on and off ramp as well. As you probably know, the largest problem into getting into cryptocurrency for average people today is the on-ramp experience. How do you go from having a debit card to having some Bitcoin in your account or Ethereum in your account? You know, sites like Easy Crypto exist, um, but the spread is either too high or you know, th there's a there's a big barrier to entry. And if we can get Stripe, it'll reduce one of the barriers. And look, Easy Crypto is an awesome service. I've used it personally myself. Very very good. Um, they don't have an app yet, so we, you know it's a, it's a little difficult to use on their website. You need to have some level of technical expertise to be able to get a Bitcoin wallet and a BSC wallet and Ethereum wallet, secure that, and then go and buy. That's right. You have to do right? some work in the background before you can actually right. use their service. Right. With us, you'd be creating a new account on the app as a personal account, and click a click the buy tokens button, and you can immediately buy what you want. That's what we're working to uh, get with Stripe right now. So Stripe really aren't our competitor at the, at the moment. BitPay. BitPay is a big one. 
uh, and Shopify you mentioned. I'm fairly certain, unless I've missed something, Shopify's cryptocurrency um, integration is with a site called Coin Payments. Again, this is a pretty huge site, a site I've used personally myself a lot, both in, as a customer and as a merchant. It's awesome, but the problem is all of their handling is done on-chain. Meaning if I want to pay a merchant, if someone's using it on their website and I want to pay them Bitcoin, the transaction time is easily going to be about 30, 20, anywhere from 13 to 25, 35 minutes. The reason I know this is I've actually just about a week and a half ago completed a merchant payment using coin payments and it took about 35 minutes for the six confirms. They need six confirms on the BTC network before their market payment is complete and send it to the merchant. That's our biggest point of difference is all our payments are handled on the layer two and then passed back down to the underlying chain, which is BSC for now. But our our layer is chain agnostic. I mean, we if we wanted to, we could very easily change to Matic. We could easily change to Sol, which we're not going to do because I don't <laughs> like Solana. Uh, but you know, it, it's chain agnostic. I mean, it, it if, if I wanted if we wanted to move to Ethereum or Matic, we could because our layer was coded for for the easy integration with uh, the Ethereum. Um, network basically the uh, the EBM the JVM, so it's very easy for us to move networks. So that's the biggest point of difference. We have competitors out there that let you accept cryptocurrency, but they're too slow because they like to do everything on chain. Now, when Matic come out with their network, then I'll be scared. And I, I and they might be working on it. I, I've heard a lot of times that Matic are working with Visa for their settlement on the Visa network. Solana Pay is awesome. Um, that's the one that scared me the most because, um, you know, it, it's Solana Pay. But at the same time, uh, it it handles everything on the Solana network. And if you have tokens to spend, it will be on the Solana chain. And there's still Solana gas fees involved, et cetera, et cetera. The, with us, it's multi-chain. There's no gas fees, so it's a lot easier. So, I just want to back up for uh, just... Real quick, how to how then if uh, BitPay is doing a lot of activity on chain, right? How are they competing and growing? Because as you say, like having ten minutes per confirmation for a Bitcoin payment is not very convenient. Because there's no other competition. It's it's as simple as that. I mean, coin payments do everything on chain. They're the biggest, I would say. Well, not the, one of the biggest, because Coinbase also do a merchant account now. So Coinbase and Coin Payments sort of compete, and BitPay is one of those competitors as well. The only reason they're growing is because there's no competition out there. When we had a quick chat last week, mm -hmm. you said something, so I'm going to quote you here. This is about being a payments operator in the New Zealand you know, business space. It's about regulations. Uh, you said it's the regulations that crush you. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, for anyone that might be looking to get into crypto integration in their business in some way or starting a business, what can you say to them about operating in New Zealand? Get started with the regulations a month or two months or maybe even three months before you start operating. Uh, there's a lot of red tape. I'm not saying it's impossible to cross, but they make those walls as high as they can. It's it's literally crushing. It, it, it is. It's basically the, the, you're, you're smothered in what you can and cannot do in terms of regulation. We're working with the the DIA right now for AML compliance. Um, there's this, there's a um, there's a lot of things because crypto is a digital asset and it's hard to track. There's a lot of requirements for a financial services provider, and you need all those things. A lot of people will say it's oh it's a DeFi. I don't need all of that. Well, no, because 
anytime if your house is uh, doing what we're doing, which is basically providing a payment service, you're no longer DeFi. Uh, is, is it all about the tax? It's not. It's not so much about the tax. It's for um, AML compliance, which I'll I'll just say um, people might already know, but it's anti money laundering compliance. So and and counterterrorism as well. So basically, it's regulations on who is using your service, where they're from, and as you can tell, with cryptocurrency, it's a lot harder because anyone can make a MetaMask wallet, put some funds in there, and transfer it around. So anytime you're providing a payment solution, you'll notice. Sites like Binance, Crypto.com, Coinbase, a lot of those are now doing extended KYC, even if they in New Zealand as well, because that's what the regulations are. And it's not just New Zealand. Australia are implementing it. In the US, they're implementing it. As, as soon as you're talking about moving cryptocurrency in a payment scenario, you're, you, you've got regulations in place. I mean, coin payments have extensive KYC in place as well. Because you know they they need to to comply with the local regulations. Are we keeping up? Oh, uh, like yeah, the New Zealand landscape. Are we keeping up? Oh yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm going to be honest. The IRD are actually um, making great strides in terms of crypto, and they're actually a lot more relaxed than some other places. I don't know how uh, if you guys uh, your listeners keep up, but India are just cracking down on crypto so hard where it's monstrous basically they're they've implemented that if you make capital gains you pay taxes on them but if you make capital losses no we don't want to hear about those okay so if you make money we'll take our cut if you lose money you can't offset your gains so that's horrendous if you think about it so new zealand is actually doing very well in in terms of keeping up with regulations and yes they're restrictive um and yes they're crushing but they're not wrong either so (laughs) Yeah, you know, if if that makes sense, like I wish they wasn't so restrictive in the DeFi space. I wish it was, but at the same time, we can't say right. that they shouldn't do it. If they were truly yeah. crushing, you'd be in a different business, and you you wouldn't be able to at all. Oh yeah, look, we we'd be shut down by now. <laughs> there, there, look, there's a lot of red tape to cross. Um, you know, the walls are high, but they're not impossibly high. You know, they're they're, they're high enough where. I would like to caution anyone who gets into it to do all this in prep work in advance, whereas we started and then suddenly we found out, hey, there's a lot of things you need to be doing that you really aren't. <laughs> to, the, to the credit, though, all the people were nice and they're like, yeah, don't worry, this is a new space. They're not in trouble yet, but you really should be doing this. Okay. So for example, the easiest one, um, if one of your listeners wanted to do an ICO, create a token on the on the Ethereum network and launch it, how much red tape do you think that's involved in that? Well, I think you'd be your lawyer fees would sink you before you got started. There's a lot. You'd have to be a registered business that that almost constitutes a financial product, and there's there's a lot of red tape you got to cross. Whereas people are are doing this because they think the uh, the DeFi space is completely unregulated. Well, it's not anymore. It's coming down, and a lot of tokens that run in New Zealand, and there's quite a few now. They're all starting to register as businesses, you know, keeping up with the lawyers and getting their accounting done properly. So all of that has to be done. Whereas two years ago, three years ago, you could just make a token, sell everything, rug pull and walk away. Oh, Not anymore. What a time Not to be anymore. alive that was. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let, let's shift gears here and uh, talk about mm-hmm. some of this DeFi stuff, some of this token stuff. My question is $20,000 Bitcoin. What what do you feel about that? Perhaps to expand on the question, how long have you been following crypto and the markets? 
And uh, do you believe in the four-year Bitcoin cycle? Uh, yeah. Um, just to let people know, one of the regrets in my life was selling one Bitcoin for 400 USD. Okay. I have, one, I, I have done that. I have done that. I have been there and done that. So I, I, I bought Bitcoin at around, I, I would say it was around the $80 mark. And then it shot up to 900 and then it started falling. And I was like, I better get out of this before I lose all my money while I still have some profit. And so I did that way back when. This was, was, that this was 2013, almost a decade ago. that bull run. Yeah, almost a decade ago. Yeah, so this was, yeah, exactly. So this was a while ago. So that, uh, look, I am a big believer of the four year cycle. Now, after our conversation last week, I've sort of, you've sort of changed my mind a little bit, but I still believe. Bitcoin bull runs follow the stock market bull runs or the halving cycle. But there's been a lot of institutional adoption this this cycle around that hasn't existed in the last eight years or six years. So will it be different? I don't know. But I my personal opinion is that it's going to follow the same two-year cycle after the halving and we'll probably see our next bull run. Now, are we going to see more crabbing, more down? I've actually got positions to buy Bitcoin at 15K myself personally, because that's where I believe uh, we might end up. Are we going to see that? I don't know. I wish I had a crystal ball to do this, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't. That's another 25% down. And if and if that falls, yeah, all the other tokens fall too. Oh, yeah. People will want to, every, every single project you talk to will say, we're hedged from Bitcoin. We don't follow Bitcoin. But if you just wind the charts back, you go look on CoinGecko or CMC. Every time Bitcoin has a dip, you can see a very similar dip in any other token, especially if a token is, um, for example, our token is uh, based on the Binance token. So our liquidity pool is uh, up against BNB. Every time BNB takes it up, our chart follows immediately after. And it's not people selling or people buying that makes a difference because we're tied to BNB prices. Simple as that. Most tokens are tied to BNB and BNB is tied to Bitcoin. You know, uh, some most companies hold their reserves in Bitcoin. I mean, look at Luna. The reason Bitcoin crashed so much is because the Terra Luna Foundation, they sold so much Bitcoin trying to prop up their the peg. So, you know. I mean, it's been a crushing couple of months, right? You mentioned there the Luna yeah. crash. There have been, I guess, mm. if, like a whole flock of swans. Maybe they're dark brown, almost black. Uh, so we, after Luna, we had Celsius, and now we've got three arrows capital. Uh, have you been following this stuff? Or is there any more in the closet? It's three arrows. Is that the same as Tron? Uh, no, that was USDD that had the... Yeah, USDD had, is, yeah. I mean, they had the, you know, incredibly, I don't know, it's not even stupid. It's some type of insight to follow Luna's... It's, it's literally almost, I, I would say it's almost the same thing. They're using algorithmic, they're using an algorithmic stable coin they're, and they're using Tron to back up their coin. The only point of difference I, I saw was that they are selling Ethereum to cover their losses, which is why I saw my Ethereum plummet as well. I, I'm an Ethereum miner for everyone listening out there. So, you know, that's what I do as well in my spare time. Yeah, so that's what I thought. Um, USDD, I believe, was the next one. I don't know if they've got their peg back. Um, I haven't checked in the last two or three days, yep. but last I checked, they were sitting somewhere in the 93 cent region, which is not good. Um, they haven't hit their debt spiral yet. They pumped in, I think, $2 billion nearly to prop up their position, but we'll see how that goes. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. I think it doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, but all I can say is that they, the, them falling would be another blow to the crypto market in general. Um, because every time they have to sell to cover their positions, it doesn't end well, right? But, it's just as simple as that. You know, they say bear markets are the best time to build. So hopefully it works out well for, for pay it mm -hmm. now. Tell me about how you guys got started with your co-founder, how you met your co-founder. So Craig and I actually were um, commercial pilots. We used to fly Boeing 737s together in Fiji. So we had this uh, trip to Hawaii. And unfortunately, we had a malfunction in the aircraft that led to a depressurization situation. So basically, um, for all the uninitiated out there, it just meant that air was leaking out of the airplane. So it was losing pressure quite rapidly. So we had to do a rapid depressurization uh, drill, which involved a quick dive down to 10,000. We landed in Hawaii safely. Everyone got off. Unfortunately, just like how um, divers get the bends when they come up too quickly, yep. going down that fast actually hurt my ears. So I was unable to fly. So I've been doing my side project, which is web development. I've been doing that for about 20 years, not 20, but maybe 18 or so years. It's, it's a side a hobby. So I was doing that. I came to New Zealand. I was doing that. Craig was actually retrenched from Singapore Airlines. I think he was flying a 787 there uh, because of COVID. You know, all the flights were grounded. Sure, no one was sure. going anywhere. So he came back. And uh, I was actually mining Ethereum at that point, learning Solidity, getting started. This is back in 20, I believe, 20, late 2019. Uh, and just learning, how, you know, how this thing worked. This was before the big four run. I think Bitcoin was still sitting at between. I was... Four to 12, I think it was, uh, the range was rapidly climbing at this point. So, um, you know, we started getting into it. We started, uh, okay, let's get some, get some GPUs and start mining this thing, you know, just to have a play around. And then, you know, we're looking at projects. We're running a virtual reality tra flight training company, doing a lot of projects. And then we're like, okay, let, let's, let's jump into the crypto space because this is a big niche because we started using cryptocurrency and we quickly realized how difficult it was you know you make ethereum and then you try to spend it and you try to invest in a few tokens and then try to use it in general and realize very quickly that it's not intuitive not for average people to use it's not intuitive so that's where we started the research on how can we make it easier for everyone not just crypto enthusiasts who can spend you know a month or two months learning how this works we need everyone to be able to use it immediately you hand someone a, a, a visa debit card and tell them how paywave works they know how it works. They don't need to spend a month learning how to use their Visa debit card. That's how easy crypto needs to be before it could be widespread. There can be widespread adoption. That's why we formed this company to pursue that lofty goal, basically. And it's a, it's a, it's, it's a big ask, but that's what we're working towards. And uh, I, of course, am not an airline pilot, but I imagine the training is quite intense. Did it really kick in like it should when you were in that emergency situation? We do drills every six months, but um, yeah, we, we we hope we don't have to use them, but we did have to use them. And it was immediately like you're back in the simulator doing your training. Yeah. It, it worked exactly like you would do it in real life, basically in the in training. And were you scared? No, because like I said, we it, it's almost like you're playing a video game at that point because it's literally, you do these so often, it's like almost muscle memory at that point. You And look, airline flying is almost like, you're trained to do only that and nothing else. So when you, when they train you, our our standard operating procedures are so rigid, you can't even say the wrong words, or otherwise you fail training. Basically, I see. So when when we so when we're being taught, you need to do everything exactly like the procedures are in the manual, 
exactly like what the flight training manuals tell you to fly. And if you don't do that exactly right during training, you're kicked out. So when this happens in real life, it's almost like, you know, you just follow what you've been learning for the last five years. It, it just it, it just happens automatically. Do you think there's any obvious parallels between learning something complex like solidity and cryptocurrencies and doing a business? There, there is. Um, imagine if uh, if you had a programmer who was taught, uh, who was doing something repetitive over and over again. His only job was to do this one thing. So not, not a program. Let's think of a factory worker. You know how you have these factory workers whose only job is to just take this, put this That's on, right. move on. Imagine being a pilot is just like that. They tell you what can go wrong and you can think about what can go wrong, but they train you for specific scenarios that could go wrong. And when they do go wrong, you know exactly what to do. Anyway, so Craig and I, we spent, we, we, we were bonded by this experience. So when Craig got back, we started working together and, you know, now it's about four years later and we're still working together, you know. As a member of Blockchain New Zealand, what do you think that we can do to help the industry and help our members such as yourself or other businesses? I, I love the idea of a governing body. I think we spoke about it uh, briefly on uh, on Monday when we spoke, right? Um, and I think I, I stand by my comment at that time. A, 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 a DAO would benefit everyone because it, it gives credence to the underlying technology and it, it, it basically lends itself to how it would work. So the idea would be now you're backing up the technology you're using by putting it into actual work so people can see how the technology works in your governing body itself. I like that for sure. Uh, the idea of you know practicing your book, right? If we're a blockchain organization, yeah. we should be able to see evidence of blockchain in use. Are you ready for some rapid fire? I hope so. Let's go. Let's do this. Okay. BSC or Ethereum? Ethereum. Just because of users. Matic or some other layer two? Matic. Matic? You're, you're bullish on Matic. Oh, actually, I, I, yeah, look, uh, our layer two over Matic, but Matic because of users. Same reason I chose Ethereum. Okay. Ethereum and Matic, that, yep. that's where it's at. Um, yep. Will the merge happen later this year? As a mine, I hope not, but I see very strong signs that it will. Okay. Have you started um, repurposing or shutting down? No, not yet. I'm going to mine until the very last day. <laughs> yeah. And yep. you know what? That might that might be a good stance to take, considering I have seen some chatter online that large operations have started shutting down. Mm. Well, the difficulty bomb hasn't gone off yet, I believe, but um, the, the hash rate of the network has fallen, I believe, by quite a lot. Last I saw, it was something like 900, I believe. I, I don't know, I'd have to look at it again, but it has fallen quite rapidly, yes. Uh, what do you like about being headquartered in Christchurch? The weather. I, I lived all my life in Fiji. It was too hot. As you can see, I'm, I'm, I'm not cold at the moment, but you know, I, I love <laughs> the cold weather here. I do. It, it's beautiful. I don't know. I, I, no offense to Auckland. I'm sure Auckland is awesome. I just cannot put, put up with traffic, and that's something we don't see here often. I think that's a perfect response, and nobody's going to fault you for uh, making a comment about traffic, for sure. <laughs> Okay, a bit more philosophical. Will the last mm -hmm. Bitcoin ever be mined? Uh, uh, if you follow the halving schedule, then I feel like no, right? Uh, if, if you just if you follow the technology, I, I'm sure someone could tell you that at some point it will be. But if the halving keeps happening, it it shouldn't technically never, right? But again, I could be wrong. I'd have to do a little bit more reading on that. Uh, yeah, I think. But, uh, 
I think if everything, if the network stays as it is today, right, mm -hmm. uh, then theoretically, yes, it, it should be mined. Uh, I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but I think the last one is going to take... 100 years? The, yeah, so it's going to be the year 2140, so over 100 uh -huh. years from now. But the last one itself, like for a whole Bitcoin, 100 million Satoshis, it's going to take a number of years because, like you said, of the halving schedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I, look, it's going to happen. But whether or not we're all brains in a jar by then, which, by the way, I believe we could be. Uh, don't even get me started on that. All right. Yeah. That's our next chat. How are we gonna be? Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay. Last one. Who is Satoshi? It's certainly not the guy who just won the court case. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> it is not that guy. I, I don't have his name off the top of my head. Any other thoughts on who it could be? They, I, I Look, I don't have the exact details on uh, with me at the moment, but there was a big thread on our cryptocurrency about this a couple of months or years back about this guy who was, who was, um, who was sick around the time. And look, I don't know who it was. Um, and at this point, I believe if we found out, it would ruin it. So it is my opinion that we sh it's, it's, we're not meant to know whether or not it was a time traveler who just came back, invented it, and just left. I don't know. All right, Chid, that's a great place to leave it. Thank you very much for joining us today. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us, folks. Look out for the next episode of the Blockchain New Zealand podcast, probably in the same spot you found this one. Cheers.